We are both very excited to officially be brand ambassadors for Meyer Hatchery. Meyer Hatchery has just about everything you can think of. 160 breeds of poultry, including chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, guineas, and game birds. And also swans. What? Like what? <laughs> Meyer Hatchery also offers a full line of feed, supplies, gifts, and decor. Check out their website at MeyerHatchery.com and you can get $5 off your online order when you use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? So I made a cranberry grape spritzer. So it is cranberry grape juice and Sprite. And it's a really easy mocktail to make because it's basically just two parts Sprite, one part cranberry grape juice or whatever juice you want and it just kind of fancies it up a little bit yeah so what are you drinking over there so i am drinking a sparkling water passion fruit Lacroix. not super exciting but i was in a hurry so (laughs) that's what it was today (laughs) that's all right i actually am not sure that i've ever had a Lacroix. if i have it's been a while (laughs) I'm sure you'd just be underwhelmed by it, honestly. It's not that exciting. (laughs) So I'm I'm selling LaCroix real hard here. (laughs) I I heard that they make great mixers, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just having that without the booze today. Nice. (laughs) Our drink peep this episode is our friend Ashley Kiernan, and she is at Ashley Kiernan over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right, so in today's dive bar, we're going to dive into soil amendments. Yes, yes we are. And this is a really exciting topic because I think when you start gardening, it takes a while to kind of like get into all the other little things, you know, that you can do with it. Or if you try to get into all of them at the same time, sometimes it can be overwhelming. So truth be told... I didn't start amending my soil until last year. Last year was the first year that I bought fertilizer. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So in our straight no chaser for the last one, that is in January, I can't recall the number, we talked about choosing soil and mentioned some amendments that you can add to it. And so this dive bar, um, we kind of dive into some of those amendments that you can add to either seed starting soil or your garden soil. But this isn't like a fully exhaustive list. It's just a couple of them. Because when you try to list off too many things at once, I think you kind of don't know where to start. So I think mm-hmm. these three that we're going to talk about today are good ones to start with if amending soil and fertilizing your garden is totally new to you. Yep. And make sure you check the show notes after you're done listening or I guess during your listening if you're not driving because there's links to a bunch of this stuff we're going to talk through today and our sources. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, for sure. So before we dive into soil additives, 
You can't talk about them until you talk about what adding things to your soil does to the pH of it. And anyone that's new to gardening or new to this type of gardening might be like, well, like, why does the pH matter? Like, what even is the pH of my soil? Like, why should I care about it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. The soil pH is the degree of soil acidity or alkalinity that your soil has. So it's either acidic or alkaline or it's neutral. So chemically, it's defined as the log 10 hydrogen ions, which is the H plus <laughs> when you're looking at like a scientific like write-out of what the pH is. And what it does is there's a range from zero to 14 when you're talking about pH scale. And a pH of seven is considered neutral because it's right there in the middle. And if the pH value is greater than seven, the solution is considered basic or alkaline. And if it's below seven, then the solution is acidic. So that's like crash course soil (laughs) acidity Uh and soil alkalinity. And it's really important to know the pH of your soil before you do anything to it because changing the pH units by just like very slightly, it has significant changes in how the biological processes of your soil work. So for example, like if you have a soil with a pH of five, it is 10 times more acidic than a soil with a pH of six or a hundred times more acidic than a soil with a pH of seven. So there's big differences in how your plants can uptake what's happening in the soil based on its pH. So you can really easily test the pH of your soil. In the show notes, there's a link to a $7 pH monitor. It doesn't take batteries or anything. It's the same one that I use, and I'm going to order a new one for this season just because I can't find my other one. But you just (laughs) stick it in the soil, and it tells you the pH level. So you know whether or not it's at a good place before you're adding anything to it, and then maybe you want to think about whether or not you really need to add anything, or if your soil is either acidic or alkaline. And then you can kind of dig into each of the amendments to decide which one you need to use to do what you need to do to your soil, because everyone's soil is different. And you can have your soil tested um, so you know exactly what it's missing. I don't personally do that because I just, I don't take my garden seriously from that perspective, I guess. Have you tested your soil in your garden? No. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I haven't gotten to that point yet. So uh, this is all new to me as well as maybe some of our listeners. Yeah. And your local extension office, you can usually take a soil sample into them and they'll test it for you. There's some at-home kits. Like there's lots of options for testing soil. So if you decide that you want to do that, it's totally available to you. One thing that you want to remember is that certain soils are more resistant to a drop or a rise in pH. So some of your soil amendments you need to do really early in the season or sometimes even like in the fall way before your season Mm. even starts because soil amendments are kind of like vitamins. Like you know how your body can only uptake vitamins in certain ways or when they're attached to certain things like you can't just like take vitamins and you're getting a hundred percent of what's in them. That's not how vitamins work. That's same with fertilizer. They can only break down in certain conditions and they take time to break down and then they can only be used by the soil, you know, 
during certain ranges. So that's why you kind of want to know ahead of time. And the change might not be instantaneous when you amend your soil. So one of the things I'm going to do in my garden journal is I'm going to kind of track the soil pH in the different beds as I go through the season. Because then I can have an idea of what types of plants deplete or like change the pH and what kinds of amendments change the pH and what it does to it. So most things do really well in a range of six to seven on the pH scale, in case anybody's curious about that. But there are some things that prefer like more acidic soil. Blueberries is one of them. But there are some things that won't grow in acidic soil at all. So if your plants aren't growing, looking at your soil pH might be a good place to start. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about three soil amendments during this episode. And the first one is kelp meal. And it's my favorite amendment. It's the only one that I really use on a regular basis here in my garden. Have you used any fertilizers or anything like that in yours yet? No, you <laughs> no. you probably haven't needed to because you just had your soil like brought in. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to have to bring in more this year too. So I don't know if this will be necessary or not. We'll find out. Yeah, it totally might not be. And that's one of the cool things about it is you can decide whether you want to or, you know, you right. don't. Kelp meal is made from dried ocean seaweed and it's ground up into a meal type product And it can actually be a liquid or a powder, so you can get it in both forms. I use it in a liquid form, and there's a link in the show notes to the one that I use. It's a kelp slash fish emulsion from Neptune's Harvest. That's who it's from. It comes in a big gallon, and you put like a tablespoon into a gallon of water, so it lasts like for forever. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And kelp is a really great additive to your garden because it's a fully sustainable option. Seaweed, you know, just grows in abundance in the ocean. They basically just harvest it, dry it, grind it up, and then it does its thing in your garden. And kelp meal is a really forgiving fertilizer. So it's really hard to overdo it in the garden, which is one of the reasons why I picked it as my favorite. Because like if you put too much, like no big deal. And that's because it contains really small amounts of NPK. So have you ever like looked at a fertilizer bag and it had like three numbers on the top? It has like a number, dash number, dash number. No, I don't look at fertilizer bags. I'm all new to this. (laughs) But maybe somebody that's listening has, but that's good to know that you look for that. Yeah, you look for that. So that's the NPK and it stands Mm. for the proportion of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Yes, potassium is the K. (laughs) And the NPK numbers reflect each nutrient's percentage by weight. So really low NPK means that it just has a really low ratio of those things by weight, which makes it I guess less intense to your plants, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kelp meal is also really great because it carries over 60 trace minerals, which are micronutrients. They include like calcium, magnesium, sulfur, manganese, copper, iron, and zinc. And it also brings different vitamins and amino acids to your soil. And kelp meal also contains naturally occurring growth hormones, Those can help your plants grow big, strong, and healthy, essentially. And kelp meal is also a really versatile fertilizer. Basically, you can use it in your entire garden as a general purpose fertilizer. So your flowers, your vegetables, your root plants, your bushes, 
like go to town with the kelp meal, but read the instructions. (laughs) (laughs) Go to town in moderation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the next one we'll talk about is bone meal, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It is coarsely ground animal bones. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that does make sense. I never really thought about it. (laughs) Right. And it can also be ground really fine, too. It's not necessarily always coarse. Uh, The stuff that I tend to use tends to be coarser stuff because it sticks around a little longer. It doesn't just like wash away. So that's why I prefer it. The main ingredient is beef bones, but you can also use fish bones in blood meal as well. But I think beef bones are cheaper and more abundant. So that's why it tends to be the more commonly used one. And bone meal is a great fertilizer because it's a great source of phosphorus. So that is that, I can't remember, is it the P or the K? I was getting ready to sound really smart. Phosphorus is the P. Yes, it's the P. The only reason I know that is because when people just respond to me with K, I sometimes send them a meme that says potassium. (laughs) Or you can send them back the guy dancing in the banana suit. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because bananas have potassium, in case you were late to the party on that one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Phosphorus is an essential nutrient for your plants. It helps plants flower, essentially. So it also helps with strong roots. So it's good for plants that flower. So like, obviously, your garden flower is supposed to like peppers and things like that that flower. This will help bring on that flowering stage of the planting. But it's also good for root vegetables because it helps produce strong roots. So your onions, your garlic, your carrots, things like that will love bone meal. And you can add a small scoop of it to most planting holes when you're, that sounded weird, (laughs) planting holes. (laughs) It's one of those days. It is what it is. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. (laughs) You plant things in holes. Yeah, you do. You plant things in holes when you're transplanting your plants. So it's something good to have on hand for that. And one of the greatest uses for it is sprinkling it in the holes that you put your bulbs in for your spring flowers because it helps them start those really strong roots, which means that you'll have lots of flowers come springtime. Bone meal is also like other big giant highlight is that it's organic matter naturally encourages the improvement of microorganisms in your soil, which help improve the soil's fertility and structure. So if you feel like your soil's kind of stagnant, a little bone meal might help start that organic breakdown activity again. So that's really good. And it's a one of those really slow release additives that we talked about earlier. So it'll benefit your plants for months at a time. It's basically like a you get to put it down once, maybe twice in a season if you have a long season. But otherwise, you should be good. I think most people mix it in when they're refreshing their soil in the early parts of spring before they planted anything. That makes sense. Yep. And the bag will tell you how much to put in for, you know, like how many square feet of garden soil you have. So you can measure it, put it in and, you know, basically just forget about it, which is nice. 
We only want the best for our flocks, and that's why we are thrilled to partner with Grubly Farms Grublies, an all-natural snack that provides the nutrients and minerals for happier, healthier chickens. Grublies are safely and sustainably harvested in the United States at FDA-approved grub farms to ensure the highest levels of food safety and quality for our feathered families. This means everything from what the grubs eat to how they're dried is strictly regulated. So every batch is then tested for any potential contaminants and pathogens, and it's packaged with love for your fluffy family (laughs) to enjoy. When you spoil your flock with grublies, you're providing a safe and sustainable protein that's as healthy for the environment as it is for your chickens. In the USA alone, over 42 million tons of food is wasted before it even gets to the consumer every year. Grubly Farms grubs recycle mountains of food waste into organic compost, reducing our nation's landfill waste with every harvest. So when you nourish your little mother cluckers with grubly love, you're showing love to the planet too. Head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 20% off your first order. Okay, so if bone meal is crushed up bone, duh. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me a little worried about what blood meal is. Is that like dried blood? Yep, basically. And it probably comes from the same (laughs) slaughterhouse that the bone meal came from or the bones for the bone meal came interesting from. yes very interesting yep cow's blood is one of the most common ingredients for blood meal and hogs is the next one i have a stupid question well okay. no question is stupid nope <laughs> but my brain automatically goes to like vegans and how they don't want anything with animal byproducts. So does that mean that they don't want any soil additives unless it's the kelp one? Well, they don't want any blood meal or bone meal because blood meal and bone meal are not consistent with a veganic garden. So yeah, when we were looking into these additives, that was one of the things that came up. And in fact, I almost added it to the notes, but I didn't know if that would just be too much to discuss. So I'm glad that you asked that question. It was actually a really great one. There are additives available specifically for a veganic garden. So if after you listen to this, you're like... Kelp meal was the only thing that I want to add to my garden because I am vegan. Um, Or even vegetarians may not want bone or blood meal in their vegetable gardens. So that gives you the opportunity to look at what other options there are. And there are other additives that do similar things to bone meal, like like a rock phosphorus additive would be something similar. It's like made out of ground up clay rocks. Azomite is like a volcanic type of, if I'm remembering right, I'm pretty sure it's volcanic rocks that's ground up. And those will add those trace minerals to your soil also. So those are options if you're a vegetarian or a vegan and don't want that in your garden. It also gives you great questions to ask your farmer at the farmer's market. If you are concerned about that, you can ask them what they use for their fertilizers. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the blood meal. Yeah. So blood meal is super high in nitrogen. And you want to use it in your garden if your plants are deficient in nitrogen. When your plants are deficient in nitrogen, it inhibits photosynthesis. So basically your plants will be kind of yellowish or pale. So you'll be able to see if you need more nitrogen in your soil by just taking a look at your plants. And when your plants are in this state, it's called chlorotic 
which means that they can't make their own chlorophyll. So until you fix the nitrogen issue, your plants aren't gonna get any healthier. So blood meal is a great additive for that. And blood meal is one of those additives that gets sucked up quickly and can be used quickly. Within you know just a few days or a week, you might start seeing a difference in your plants. And the bag will give you instructions, you know, for how often to add it and all of that. One of the things that's neat about blood meal also is you can use it as an additive to your garden to stop a plant from fruiting or flowering or just delay it a little bit. Because of the high nitrogen content, it makes your plant kind of air to the side of preferring to grow the green leafy stuff so it doesn't put as much energy into the flowering. And then you add the bone meal when you're ready for flowering. I've used some hydroponic additives in that way for my winter garden, and it works really well. You can keep your plants in kind of like the the growing stage and then add the other kind of additive when you want it to start flowering. And it's amazing. Like suddenly it's like flowering like crazy. (laughs) So you're like giving your plant a good, healthy base, I guess, before the flowering. You can also use blood meal as a pest deterrent so some deer moles and squirrels don't like the strong smell of blood so if you have those problems you can like put it on the border of your garden beds and see if that helps you keep them away it might it might not (laughs) (laughs) one thing to know about blood meal though is that if it is used excessively it could burn or kill your plants because too much nitrogen Uh hurts them yep So this is one of those things that you definitely want to read the bag on. (laughs) Yes. Yes, for sure. Plants that love this type of fertilizer is tomatoes, peppers, radishes, onions, squash, cruciferous vegetables. It's like your kale, broccoli, cauliflower, things like that. Lettuce and corn. Basically all plants could use some nitrogen when they're deficient in it. But this isn't the kind of fertilizer that you put in the planting hole. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) So that's it. Yeah. That was a good synopsis. Thank you for walking us all through that. That was helpful. Yeah. And um, hopefully we'll get to dive a little deeper into some of these things eventually. This was a really good, like, high level. I would call it, like, soil amending 101 introduction or maybe yeah yeah, intro to soil (laughs) amending even before the 101 (laughs) how to not be intimidated by soil amendments because I always looked at them like something that was a little scary or advanced but really it seems pretty straightforward and I like to read directions and follow them so this is right up my alley yeah (laughs) Well, and one of the things too, when you're gardening is sometimes, you know, like your first year is fantastic. And then your second year, you're like, what happened? I did all the same things I did last year. And it's like, well, it could be a lot of things, but one of the things it could be is that your plants just need more food. You know, they need more than just water and sunlight. (laughs) Right. Your soil is just sad and tired from last season. So you got to give it some love. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, and I will say that I'm not an expert in soil by any means, so I'm I'm still an experimenter, but it is a really good foundation to your garden. So if, like, geeking out on your soil numbers is your thing, soil test, that's the way do to it do up. it. 
Yep. Do up the soil <laughs> test. But if you're all right, being a little willy nilly like I am with the, you know, are these plants growing or are they struggling? What can I do to change it? Then you're totally fine to just use the pH as your guide and keep going. <laughs> All right, so just really quick, a reminder to hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find our podcast. And don't forget to hit the show notes. This will be at drinkandfarm.com slash DB13. That'll take you straight to this dive bar 13. And then you can get all the links and stuff in the show notes, because there's links to the soil amendments you talked about, pH meter, and the articles. Yeah. And there's links to our merch shop too. And I'm wearing the foul language shirt again today. Mm-hmm. Hurry up before it's gone because our February shirt of the month is coming up soon. And I really like that one too. Yep. So you're going to want both. Just prepare yourselves. <laughs> yep. For sure. Yeah. And I'm wearing the new Joy Farmer shirt. Ah, uh, I like that color too. We're both merching it up today. Yeah. Yeah. This color is clay for anybody that's curious. Yeah, I thought I'd mix it up and do something different besides black or gray. (laughs) Yeah, I wear a lot of black, that's for sure. Me too. (laughs) All right, so until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero plus. I know. Bye. We drink things, we farm things. We drink and farm.